Okay, I'm just pressing the got it button because I it's here in my oops, sorry, peripheral view. Hmm. I can't get rid of the recording button for some reason. For some reason, my cursor doesn't always work if I'm in a slideshow mode, but now it works. So Welcome here, everyone, wherever you're sitting in the world and whatever time of day it is. This is literally my last global intelligence update for, for this year, and uh, I actually can't believe it. So today, we're not talking about any of the modules in Octopus. I've decided next year, I'll continue my journey with you on the Octopus program on module four. We've been doing it synchronically, so I'll keep going with that. So next year, we'll start on team and talent, and I'll take you through that systematically so that you can once and for all start surrounding yourself with support. So many of us in the entrepreneurial space do everything alone from plotting out the strategy of the business to sorting out the IT of our computer, and that really has the potential to burn us out. So I'll be showing you in a systematic way next year how to start building support around you so you don't have to do everything alone. But today, we're talking about the mindset of the proactive leader. And this is really to set you up for next year and to help you have a check into where your mindset could have deteriorated over the past year or five years or 10 years. So this is really one big fat check in with yourself. And so you'll see there on the first uh, image, I used a wolf. And so my question to you is in 2024, which of your two wolves will you be feeding? Now, this is American Indian wisdom, uh, where the question is posed to us, if you wake up every single morning and you open up your eyes and you look to your left-hand side, right-hand side, and you see two wolves, one is a black wolf and the one is a white wolf, which of these wolves will you be feeding? In other words, in which of these wolves are you putting in your energy the moment you open up your eyes? Now, for some of us in 2024, we might have been feeding the black wolf. That means negativity, uh, focusing on what's happening in the world, uh, reasons why things can't work. Um, you know, maybe we've been feeding the black wolf by eating a really poor diet. Maybe we've not been properly planning. There's a thousand reasons why we can feed the black wolf. But ultimately, the wolf you're going to feed is the wolf you're going to grow. So if you have a I can't do it attitude or you're thinking everyone is out to get you or every time a person says something, you freak out or you've been on stage and you're only focusing on that one person who's rolling their eyes or having their arms crossed this wolfie of yours will be growing and it will be growing and growing and this black wolf will ultimately eat your life. Whereas what I'm trying to encourage here for 2024 is that you really start focusing on this white wolf and you ask yourself, especially what am I doing energetically to get this wolf to grow? You know, it's no different than a seed. If you get, if, if you give a weed water and sun and soil, the weed is going to grow. But if you give your cute flowers, spring flowers, sun and water and soil, that you would that uh, uh, soil, that's what you're going to get. So the garden, which is you, is going to be made up with what energy you feed and what you feed them. So feeding the good wolf, it's not easy, right? It's much easier to feed the black wolf. It's much easier for me to sit with a pizza on my lap and watch news and go on about how bad the world is and how untrustworthy people is. In fact, 
being like that can sometimes be really fun because you fit in with people. People's going to go, yeah, and no one can be trusted. And so you sit around the table and you all feed this energy. You feed this entity. You feed this wolf. Whereas it's not always easy to be the one who sits around the table and choose the healthy option. It's not always easy to sit around the table and say, look, I know there's a lot of things happening in the world, but there's also a lot of good things happening in the world. Have you heard about this and this? It's not easy to have what they call in psychology, internal locus of control. Internal locus of control say, look, my designer is not giving me the right cover, true story, because I'm constantly briefing them wrong. Or I don't have my right cover in my lap because I've been taking their low standards for too long. Or I'm still sitting with this problem because I've not asked a week ago for them to give me a new designer, even though I could see this person is aiding in the wrong direction. That's internal locus of control. That is you going, look, I'm really frustrated, but have I really done what I can do for the situation? External locus of control will go and say, this is crap. This is crap. This is not working. Something's out to get me. What's going on? That's external locus of control. It's normal for us as a human being to want to lean towards the external locus of control as opposed to going to the internal locus of control. I mean, you can imagine if you're speaking on stage or you're consulting with a person and the person is just not working along with you, how easy it is to feed the black with and say, that person is really crap and I don't ever want to work with them again, right? Easy. It's easy to do that. As opposed to go, you know what? Have I really given the person the tools they need? And you know what? I really have compassion for the situation that the person is in in the moment. And you know what? Maybe I can do better by supporting the person better or having a conversation. So that is internal locus control. So what you want to do in 2024 is really to go and feed the white wolf. It's really simple. You have a mirror in your bathroom where you put a sign up and all that has to say is white wolf or black wolf. And if you wake up every morning with that visual in front of you, your mindset will systematically start to reframe. It's not only your mindset that starts to reframe, but you can start restructuring the neuro pathways in your mind so that you head more towards the white wolf and not the black wolf. For those of you who are visual, I cannot encourage you enough to go and get something framed, put it right next to your computer, put it in front of your bed. So when you open up your eyes, what you see is the white wolf or the black wolf. It will substantially change the way you do business and the way you do life. So making it more practical, I wanted to talk to you about proactive and reactive leadership because every one of you sitting on these calls are leaders and leaders that we're very, very proud of, people that other people look up to, people that people want to follow. And you know, not everyone is a leader, but all of you on the school have decided to put yourself out there and to speak up. And there's a lot to be said for that. But you're not going to be a proactive leader if you keep on feeding that black wolf. In fact, you're going to become a reactive leader. And so I have a few things here to help you assess whether you are, in fact, a proactive or a reactive leader. And the first one is the reactive leader is the person who has got the vertical view. They look into things, they focus on one specific problem, and that problem steals their sanity, right? So you'll, for example, wake up in the morning 
and you all you can think about, all you can tunnel on is that you don't have money or all you can tunnel on is that you don't have time or all you can tunnel on is this person was ugly with you or all you can tunnel on is this one or two things. That is ver vertical thinking. Um, that is step-by-step -step thinking. This is the same type of leader who operates on a to-do list every day. They don't go, look, I'm here today in front of my desk, having all of my limbs intact. I can see, I can hear, I can use my senses. I have a roof over my head. Everything is fantastic. And in that whole fantastic situation, I have the ability and the skills and the resources to make a plan to make money. That is a person who thinks like that, horizontal, wide peripheral view, right? A person who doesn't think like that is the person who's going to go, I don't have money. That dominates your day. That dominates your conversations. That dominates your emotions. That dominates your feelings. That dominates everything. That's a very unhealthy way of thinking. So the first thing you want to go and assess yourself on is this past year, and remember, assessing yourself doesn't mean you're going to do it wrong in the future. It's what we're doing is raising your awareness. So we're not criticizing you. We're raising your awareness because everyone is going to have one of these things that they fall into a trap, you know. So have you lived this year with vertical thinking where you've only been focusing on your to-do list and the one or two big problems? Or have you put routines and plans in place to help you stretch your mind, right? So we'll get to that a little bit later when I speak to you about specific exercises. <coughs> Pardon me. It will help you to get this mind of you more stretched. The second thing that I see is transactional versus relational leadership. So a person who's reactive only focus on the things that sits on their computers that they have to do. The person who's relational who's proactive, doesn't worry about the do, but they focus on the who. It's a very different mindset, right? So if you're not sure if you fall in trap to transactional thinking versus relational thinking, assess 2023 and then ask yourself, have I spent 80 to 90% of my time this year on my computer? The answer is yes. You've been incredibly transactional. And if the answer is I've spent 80 to 90% seeing people, calling people, talking to people, going to networking events with people, playing golf with people, having tea with people, whatever your thing is, you are a very relational person. So some of the best leaders in the world are the ones who's relational. So they are known as the deal makers. They are going out there and they never worry about the how they're constantly focusing on the who. Who am I going to form partnerships with? Who am I going to hang out with? Who inspires me? Who do I want to meet? Who's my client? Who can help me? Who knows already? Very, very different vibe, as you can see here. So I like these visuals because the way I explain to people, whether you're transactional, because of, of course, everyone thinks they're relational, right? People don't realize how transactional they are. So have you been sitting on your computer or have you been sitting in front of people? If you're not sure, open your diary. Look at the amount of events you attended. Look at the amount of appointments you've had with people. That will literally tell you whether you're transactional or relational. So 
uh, uh, vision for 2024 would be to go out with people, meet with people, get ideas from people, get inspired, partner with people. And that's a massive difference between a reactive and a proactive leader. The third one here is the trigger fish, uh, which sort of looks like that. Diddle, diddle, diddle. <laughs> I have to do it again because that is what happens, right? The trigger fish get tri triggered by people all the time, right? You don't live in your own body. You don't live in your own reality. You are just a reaction to what other people tell you. So people tell you you're overweight, right? You get triggered. How dare they call me overweight? The moment you get triggered, it tells you they have an effect on you. If people have an effect on you, it means they are more powerful than you. So you want to get out of the state of mind where everyone is triggering, triggering you and affecting you because it means they're more powerful than you. So if you want to really make a build a resilient mindset, you have to stop getting people affecting you. So if people are saying stuff and you literally, you feel it in your body, you feel the heat coming up yeah, in your throat, you go, oh, they just said something. I'm really, how dare they say that? So, you know, or someone do something on TV or uh, someone is in a group with you and they, they, they saw right through you. They saw where they can actually affect you. They have power over you. They can massively influence you. So you want to get out of this trigger, automated, robotic mindset uh, into a calm, observing mindset. So the calm observer is not necessarily the type of observer that observe people around them. Now, that's definitely something I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to start observing people, observe their behavior. Know that a person who criticizes you constantly on Facebook and trolling you is usually a very unhappy person. You, you have to realize that. If a person is constantly uh, telling you how crap you are and how fat you are and how incompetent you are and how stupid you are and how useless you are, this usually comes from a very uh, unhappy person. So when you start observing people, you realize it. But this is not quite what I mean by the trigger fish versus the calm observer. The calm observer has learned to constantly observe themselves. They live a life of self-observation. And it's because they have high locus of control. They, they internalize things, right? They don't always self-criticize. There's a difference. They internalize things. So they observe themselves. So if you observe yourself, and you become aware of yourself, you may, for example, see things like, gosh, I'm uh, really, really not skilled in a specific area, for example. So you'll go, okay, I've been observing myself for a while. In observing myself, I've noticed this. I've seen I'm not that skilled in that area. I probably need to up my skill. Then you go and you up your skill and you get better. So now some next time someone tells you, you're not this or you're not that. You don't get triggered because you're already aware of it. You see, you're already aware of your patterns. You know where your strengths are. You know where your weaknesses are. You know where you're good. You know where you're not good. You know where you have superpowers. You know where you don't. So, you know, it's like if you're going to come now uh, to, to me and you, 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 you talk to me about, let's say, my appearances, um, good or bad. Let, let's say you you tell me, you give me a massive, massive compliment and you say, oh, Landy, gosh, you're glowing. You're so fantastic. I'm not really, I'm not really going to be that flattered because I know where I'm looking good at the moment and I know where I'm not looking good, right? So I'm sort of 
not getting triggered by it, not even in a positive way. Or now the opposite happens and a person go and go, yo, Landy, it's so great to see you, but man, that ass has gotten fat, you know? Um, again, now I'm looking at myself. I know myself. I've observed myself. I know it's not exactly what it should be, but also I know in comparison to other people, I'm doing very well. So again, this effect is not happening. So when I talk about triggering, I'm talking about positive and negative triggers because people can positively trigger you as well. A person can sit with a, a, and tell you so much how amazing and the, mo the moment you fall for that, they have power over you. And the opposite is true. If they break you down and, and tell you how crap you are and you fall for that too, they have power over it as well. So the calm observer remains in a state of self-knowledge and self-observation that gives them the truth about themselves. They don't need the truth of other people around them, positive or negative. And, and so that for me is a very, very big characteristic of the proactive leader. They're not constantly getting triggered by the latest, the greatest, the best, the good, the bad, and the huckleberry hound. They go and sit and decide for themselves what they like and what they dislike about themselves. They're very sober about it and they make plans accordingly. Then you get the call center leader, the, the, the reactive leader who runs their life as a call center. So the call center looks like this area here with all the blue icons there. You are just doing stuff, my dearest friend. Your day is full and you are busy and you get to the end of the day. But basically, you've just done a bit of lots of stuff, right? You've answered to people's emails. You've answered people's instructions. You are a hit and miss disaster. So now you're doing your emails. Now you're doing something urgent. Now you rectify a mistake. Now you're on fire. Now you call someone. Now you go and fetch something. Now you develop a document. Now you're back on email. This is how you run your life. Doof, 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 doof. It's, it's like a, it's almost like you're sitting there behind a rock and people are throwing stones at you and you have this, this gun and you have to try and do, do as they come you have to shoot them it's almost like uh, pigeons you know or uh play shooting boom 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 so you you wake up you go to bed and you go like this what a day i've been so busy i've done so much i'm so stressed and then you know a little angel comes sit next to you on your shoulder and go excuse me but what have you actually achieved today and then you go I don't know. I don't remember. Um, I'm just too tired. Please don't talk to me. That This is a very call center person. You are only reacting to what crosses your desk, right? Now it's this. Now it's this. Now you get an invite. Now it's a favor. Now, now, now. So nothing is pre-planned. Nothing is proactive. The person who's proactive will go, get up in the morning, right? What is my highest priorities for the day? And then they're going to go, let's focus on this because it's my highest priority. I'm going to start it. I'm going to finish it. I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to do it amazing. And by the way, I'm going to implement something in future so it's even better. Plus, I can handle doing this as well. And by the way, this was a bit of a, a crisis in my home and, and that had to fit in there as well. So I did three things. I did it amazing. The recipient of the thing is happy, whether that's my client or my mom who needs assistance, whatever, it's done, the day's over. Now that little angel comes again and says, how do you feel? Well, I feel accomplished because I did three things. Two of them was an achievement, and one of them was really supporting someone I love 
because that was my priority for the day. And do I still have other things to do? Yes, but I'll do it tomorrow. And you know, a magical thing happens. You wake up tomorrow and you go, okay, now let me prioritize again. If this waking up and prioritizing, all this blue stuff starts falling away. You start realizing, but that thing there wasn't actually important. That thing there could actually be outsourced. That thing only took one minute. It's really not that big a deal. So you focus. You start to focus. You prioritize and you focus. The call center person will literally take on what come their way. The discerner is the person who have boundaries and priorities. And they are the ones who go, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it amazing. And then I'll move on to the next thing. And if the next thing means tomorrow, then it is tomorrow. At least I'm touching something, I'm turning it into gold, and I'm handing it over, as opposed to juggling balls in the air. And we all know what happens when we juggle balls in the air, those balls will drop. That brings me to the next one, which is the 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 uh, a prevalent mindset in our society at the moment. And this is building reactive leaders, unfortunately. And that is the mindset of I want it now. I want it all and I want it now. And guess where that mindset comes from? That mindset comes from social media. That mindset comes from the one-click society. That mindset comes from people showing you that they're living a massive free life and they have everything perfect, but you don't understand the processes behind that. You don't understand the work that went behind that. And in many times, people are putting these facades online and it's not even the truth. I can't tell you how many international award-winning speakers we know personally who still live with their parents who's broke. It's crazy. We know those people personally. I can't tell you how many times we travel to Bali. I know Mike has told you this, where you see these lifestyle entrepreneurs and they sit in Bali working from seven o'clock in the morning. Then me and Mike go out, we go sightseeing, whatever, and we come back like eight o'clock in the evening for dinner. Then that same person is still sitting there on that computer. They literally went, took one photo for the day which is them, you know, these photos where the partner walk in front of you and then the other one walk backwards. And that crap, they take that one photo and then have a beautiful dress or a suit on and then they post that. But that's not the reality. They're sitting on their computer the whole day working. They have stiff necks. They don't have a lot of money. So this mindset of I have to have it now and I'm not going to get things um, uh, you know, I'm going to hack the system and it's it's going to come to me quickly. This is based on this video here, explosive energy. This is, I want it big. I want it bold. I want it to be sexy. I want it to explode and it has to be big and I want it right now. So sets people up for failure because every person who's achieved something in their life will show you it's more like the next video. One step at a time one foot in front of the other step one step two repeat step three step four repeat you know some of the most successful people me and mike come across are people who's repeated something over and over and over again so if you've not repeated your sales presentation 100 times you're not a master in it if you're not repeated your diet 100 times you're not a master in it. If you've not repeated public speaking a hundred times, you're not a master in it. And I'm, I'm being very conservative, calling it a hundred times. 
for some top rock star musicians, if you ask them, how did you become such a maestro with this instrument? They would tell you, I literally did two things in the first 20 years of my life. I played my instrument and I ate food and other things that I'm not going to mention on here because it's not appropriate, right? But I did that and I repeated it over and over and over again. And so I really want to show you these videos again because I want you to visually see what your mind does. This is your expectation. You see the bright, shiny objects. You want to be in your car now. You want to live the life now. You want to have the money now. You want to have the partner now. It's not how it works. You have to develop that. You have to go into experiential learning and repeat and repeat and repeat. And we see this with our Circle of Excellence members. We see it even with those who function with the material and interact in the octopus tribe or on the global intelligence expert institute the people who become super successful and highly inspiring is the people who take our material and not only implement that material but regurgitate it chew on it implement it try it over and over and over again. It's the people who keep on showing up. It's the people who keep on asking questions. It's the people who take the theory, implement it, and come back scratching their heads, saying, I've done this. I've got a good reaction here. But here, I didn't really get a good reaction. I don't understand. Let's refine. Let's refine. Let's refine. Look, my mindset here has grown exponentially. What's going on with my mindset here? Why is there not? This is a person who has that internal locus of control to say, look, let's look at things realistically. I have achieved these following steps incredibly well, and I'm going to celebrate that. But this part is a knot in my life. I, I can't get past this knot. Now let's go back to the material, back to the drawing board, back to the curriculum. Let's continue these conversations. Let's keep on implementing. Let's do it steps by step. Those people become very successful. Brings me to the next mindset, which is this busy bee mindset. The busy bee, you know? versus the smart planner so you have all got those friends you've got those family those of you who came out of corporate seen it maybe you've seen it in the start of your entrepreneurial journey and that's the person where you ask them how are you doing right how are you doing oh i'm so busy i'm so busy that's what they say there's even a zzz in it like a bee bzz. that's what busy like a bee right busy 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 i'm busy busy it becomes almost like a stamp on your head. It's like you struggle to not identify with the word busy. So because your identity is formed around the word busy, if you extract busyness from that person, the word even, then they lose their identity or they feel useless or not good enough. Whereas, and, and the reason for that is that they keep their cup full all the time. So when your cup is full um, and, and there's, it's filled with water, for example, in, in this case, things to do. There's nothing I can do for you. It's, 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 it's incredibly um, harsh, uh, but sobering at the same time. If you are walking, if your brain looks like a cup full of water, I can't help you. I can only pity you. I can sit from the sideline and go, gosh, you really are busy, you know? And then I can go, busy, busy, busy okay, two weeks, they're going to burn out, burn out. Then they come back, right? Then they go, Whew, I had a bit of a rest now. I feel better. Now your cup is empty again, the one there with the water, right? You, you, you were forced to empty the cup. Now all you do is you're in the same pattern now, busy, 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 busy. 
So the proactive leader goes, I've been burned out enough now, right? There's a red flag. I have to look into this thing. So again, they go and witness it themselves. They go, why am I constantly so busy? What do I need to do with my business or my systems or my structures to prevent this going forward? What do I need to do? Okay, I see, uh, I'll take me for example. I love to take myself for example. So me, for example, uh, I'm a, a air element combined with fire. We combust, right? We're very explosive, boof, boof, boof. So, I mean, we love shiny, bright objects and it's like a moth to a flame. And implementation is now the last thing that I want to do in my life or repetition is just boring, right? So even though I understand the wisdom, it bores me too. I really understand. It's not always the easiest thing to implement. So I have to pay extra attention to surround myself with team members that's going to implement myself. But, you know, if, if I sit and evaluate myself and I go, okay, so I'm by, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of the year. Um, I've been uh, keeping my busy myself busy with priorities. And because of that, I've achieved a lot of things. Um, but uh, now I actually want to start thinking about emptying things so that I can actually get the right mindset again for 2024. Then what I'll have to do is go and get rid of things to get me ready for 2024, as opposed to gain more things to get me rid of 2024. And one way to do it is to evaluate your busyness and to look at what have you done this year that you've not put systems in for? Why have I been repeating the same pattern? Why am I in this hamster wheel of doing a lot of things and then burning out, doing a lot of things and then burning out? How can I get myself out of that system? How can I put a proactive system in place that's going to prevent that from happening in future? What can I do for next year that's not going to repeat the same mistakes as this year? So, for example, Lead Magazine. I'm the managing editor for Lead Magazine, right? If we get to the end of the year and me and Mike usually like to have this conversation, so we go, okay, so why is our magazine always getting printed last minute? Why is it always getting last minute, you know? Then I have to say to myself, maybe it happens like that because I'm excitable. So maybe I love living on the edge. Maybe I like to do, maybe it gives me energy, right? It's like living on the edge, you know, it's eye pumping. It's not good for my burnout. So now I have to say, what am I going to do next year? What system am I going to put in place to make sure that the printing doesn't happen last minute? Now I have to go right back to the drawing board and say, first and foremost, I need to sit with my lead magazine team and we need to look at the target dates, which obviously were wrong. So can you see now I'm going to the root cause of the problem? I'm looking at the system. Now the system is showing me that I tend to have the magazine in for printing a month before the time. Now this time, because I've learned my lesson. I mean, if you don't, if you do the same thing over and over again, it means you're not learning your lesson. That's basically what it's about. It's it's a tough one, but you're not learning the lesson. So now I'm going back and I'm going, okay, now I have to learn my lesson. Instead of putting, in, instead of telling the team the magazine have to be finished at the end of June, I'm now going to tell the team the magazine have to be in, finished end of May. Simplest changes. But this is an illustration that I've learned my lesson. Or I'm keep on, I keep on forgetting something. I keep on forgetting, like we're busy putting blinds in our place at the moment. So every year, when I every time I come from a two and a half or three and a half month trip, I sit and go, oh, the sun is really coming in. It's so irritating, whatever. 
Next time we go on a three and a half month trip, I come back. Oh, I say to Mike, the sun, it, it's this time of the year, the sun is going to bother us again. Come back from another three and a half month trip. There I sit again. This is what we do. This is what we do because we don't evaluate our system. This is why we're constantly busy. So you have to get out of that trap and out of that business's busyness and go back to the drawing board and find ways that's going to keep you not busy. Your job as an entrepreneur and leader is not to be busy. Your job as an entrepreneur and leader is to be not busy. It's a very, very different mindset. And every single day you wake up, you want to ask yourself, what am I doing that's keeping me busy that I shouldn't be doing or that I can rectify so that I'm not busy? That, that's the aim you want to head for. The next one, uh, bring me then to the, the last one, which is building a life around your business, which is a trap we all fall into. And you can see I've got this whole plant here, this industrial plant, which recommends your business here. And then a little heart next to it, which shows, look, in this life, there's actually not a lot of space for you and your heart and the things you love. It's only about your business. I mean, I want to go back to the blinds because it's so alarming to me. I mean, yesterday the blind guy came here. I mean, this guy level, this guy's level of patience is next level, right? He would, because first I tell him, look, I want blinds in the place, but you're not allowed to call me because I don't take calls, right? Yes, he says, that's fine. Then I say to him, you're also not allowed to text me because I don't check my texts. I'm sorry. I'm just not trained in my brain to do it. So you have to WhatsApp me. No problem, he says. So now he WhatsApp me. Lundy, I'm available. Are you available? Now I don't reply to his WhatsApp because I'm going to call someone. Now I see on my WhatsApp, oh, poor guy was in the area an hour and a half ago. Now I go back to him say, you know what? Uh, an hour and a half ago, I'm sorry I missed it. I was in a call, uh, but you can come now. Uh, please let me know where you're on your way. Now he sent me a note again an hour and a half back. I miss it again with an hour and a half. Again, no problem, he says to me when he comes back to me. Eventually, he came here in the late, late afternoon, and he has to drive home an hour and a half uh, after he's done the measurements to be with his wife and kids. And so eventually he walked me here. I feel so bad. I'm like, doesn't this guy have a temper? He's just all apologize. He's, he's apologizing to me. I've been the one not watching my messages. I'm the one that's not taking a call. I've not been getting back to him soon enough. He apologized to me. I'm so sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry about? He does the measurements. He's so nice. And we say to him, look, how's business? No good. All he does is business. He's and his wife, he and his wife has not been on a holiday for 10 years. He drives around the whole day doing measurements for blinds. She sits at her house in front of a computer uh, doing the correspondence with people, and he literally doesn't have a life. Typical example. He didn't get mad at me. I can do anything. I can overstep his boundaries. I can say to him what I want or whatever. It blew my mind. If I had his business and people did it with me, I would have long ago told them to take those blinds and roll it and shove it up, you know, and they can go and find someone else to help them. No, not this guy. He just keep because he's built a life around his business. The business dominates everything. What you want to do as a proactive leader is you want to learn to have a life. Literally, like people say to you, get a life, right? It's a more pleasant person that has a life because a person who has a life do not blame everyone around them for the things they're missing out on, but it's going to be your job to put that together. 
So I call it a portfolio lifestyle. It's a life where you're looking around, you're, you're looking after your relationships, you're looking after your pets, you're looking around after your fun and adventure, you look after your travel and your babies and you go on your cruise and you do the stuff that you want to do. You don't neglect that. So a way we do that is to say, look, let's look at a given year, 2024, for example, and then we say, what, what life, what breath, what fun, what joy do we want to insert into this calendar first? And then once we've made that decision, we decide, we look at that. And I'm looking if we have an example here, but uh, Mike has run away with the calendar. He loves his calendar. Okay, here's an example. But here's the calendar, for example. So we just take that calendar and then we go, like, let's, let's put life in there. Let's put breath in there. Let's put travel in there. Friendships, birthdays, visits. And then when we're done, we literally count the days. We go, okay, now that we've put these things in, how much working days do we have left? And then we just make business work within those working days. And I think I've said it before on a previous presentation. There was a time in my life where I had to go and assess people. That's the corporate word. But actually what you're doing is you're spying on people. They, they, they employ you to go and sit and spy on people. So you sit and you sit with your uh, pen and you nice and you're friendly. Hello. You walk into the office. Hello, I'm here to do a diagnostic or whatever. But actually what you should say is I'm here. I'm not your friend. I'm spying on you and I'm going to report you to your manager. That's the reality, right? And then you sit and you observe them all the time and you observe their productivity. And so then you report back how productive people are. It never in my entire career went above 30%. I never, ever did an assessment or a diagnostic on anyone who was more productive than 30%. So we waste a lot of time. We waste a lot of time uh, doing stuff, you know, um, doing stuff that, that has nothing to do with productivity, uh, wandering around, looking for space so that you don't go insane, blah, but the, the moment you become proactive and you become a planner and you raise your awareness and you have this wide peripheral view, then you have the ability to empty your glass, step back and go, right, so I'm proactive now. And because I'm proactive, I'm going to actually first look at the life I want to have, the portfolio life, and then I'm going to fit business into the, that. And then I'm going to make business work into that. And that is the difference between the scarcity mindset that a reactive leader have. A reactive leader never have money, never have time, never have anything. The proactive leader always have time, always have love, always have support, always have everything because they have a prosperity mindset. They look around them and they see an abundance of information, knowledge, wisdom, resources, people that really care about them. They see that. That's the that's the eyes they have on. Whereas the scarcity mindset sees everyone has a, got it in for me. There's no money. There's no hope. There's no friends. There's no people to be trusted. It's literally the difference between the mindset. And I can tell you the person with a prosperity mindset has a much easier life, a much more enjoyable life, has much more memories and is a much lighter person. Are you going to attain that mindset overnight? No, you're not going to unless you put action steps and exercises in place that's actually going to get you there. So I totally get that you're looking at me now. Maybe you've recognized some of this behavior in yourself and now you're going, so what now? What do I do, you know? Some of you sitting on this call has not been in this hamster wheel in this year. 
you've been in this hamster wheel since the last five years, or you've been it since the last 10 years or since forever. So you don't know anything different. You've not learned to walk. It's the same. It's like a baby who's not learned to walk. And now you are 50 or 60 or 70. And now I'm saying to you, get up. It's time for you to get up and walk. It's unrealistic for me to expect that of you because you've not put that one foot in front of the other in order to gain confidence. That's why to take a person from a scarcity mindset to a prosperity mindset or a reactive leader into a proactive leader overnight is not going to happen. It's only going to happen with your commitment, with your discipline, and with you repeating things over and over again and do whatever that takes. It's actually really a customized individual thing you know me and mike like or i like uh because otherwise i would assume mike use lipstick which is not the case but i like to take lipstick and write on the mirror certain repetitive mindsets for us uh mike's way of repetition is to um you know have this calendar this calendar is his way of repeating a system over and over again so you do it in a way that works for you. But I do have some exercises here for you. And the, the first part would be uh, really to make space to create. Uh, a lot of the reason why you're in your hamster wheel or why your mindset is still reactive because you've not created space for you to create. You've not made the space. So there's no space. You're too busy. You're too overwhelmed. You're too stressed. You're too sick. You're too freaked out. Anything with a two, you're two. Some people are too excitable. Some people are too positive. Some people, anything with a two in front of it, an extreme two is, is not good for you. So you have to make space where you can relax. I keep on calling it that, that song, Calm Down. I love that song, Calm Down. You know, you have to calm down. You have to calm down. You have to go sit and think so that you can come, so that you can create, you know, thoughts become things. So the more your thoughts is hectic and overwhelming and frantic and in scarcity and burnt out and freaked out, that is what you're creating around you. You may not give that facade off to people, but that's what you're creating. So you have to be in that space, that calm zen where you can create. And the first way to do that is to really get rid of things. Uh, you don't want to acquire things into 24. You want to get rid of things. And a big way to get rid of things is to start getting rid of the things in your house. It's a very psychological way to, to get rid of toxic people, get rid of the garage that you've not unpacked, get rid of the extra clothes that you're not using, get rid of your Tupperware uh, cupboard, get rid of the uh, dry skin on your body, uh, get rid of the people that you see every weekend that's not good for you, get rid of your addictions, uh, get rid of the food that's not serving you, um, get rid of the second car that you don't need, get rid of the house that's holding on to you. I, I see Ina smiling because I think Ina's been on a get rid mission. mission. Um, but it's liberating. It's, it's much more deeper psychological and spiritual process than just getting rid of things get get rid of the fat on your hips get rid of the heavy metal in your brain get, make a list of the things you're going to get rid of in 2024 as opposed to the, the the list of things you're going to acquire that that's number one in order to really start create space and that in itself is a very deep psychological process then once you get rid of things and your glass are empty you are actually now in the position to think you've now you've forgiven people, you've let things go a little bit, you've, you know, you, you, you're starting to get rid of stuff. Now you're in design mode. 
Now your glass is empty. Now you can actually start designing your life. You can start designing 2024. You can start designing your relationships. You can start designing your business. You can start designing your social group. You can design those things because your brain's empty. But if your brain is like this glass full, look at that little space that's left there for design. And I, I'm not going to drink all of this, but the more I get rid of things now in this glass, the more there's now space to create. And the moment there's space to create and space to design, you can do like Mike your calendar. You can go and plan 2024, or you can come up with your top three strategic priorities, or you can go and do the four Gs that we always speak about. You can decide what's going to be your get, your groom, your grow, and your goal task, but you can design it. You can have a portfolio lifestyle. You can start building a life. Um, that in, in which your business must fit in and not and not the other way around. And then to make it super practical, it's not going to help just to design things. You have to book things. You have to book the retreat. You have to book the lunches. You have to book the network events. You have to book your speaker gigs. You have to book certain strategic meetings. You have to book and block time out to make space for certain things. For example, if you want to finish a book, uh, you have to book out Fridays maybe to write your book or you want to book out um, Wednesdays uh, because that's the time you want to attend a networking meeting uh, or you want to hold an event. So the booking is the practical part. It's the implementation part. It honestly is where the magic happens. It's the system that you dreamed up that is now getting manifesting into the three-dimensional reality because you can get rid of as many things as you want, which is great, and you can design them as beautiful 2024, which is great. If you don't book things, it's not going to happen. So I almost want to say, I'm not talking here about reminders. I'm not talking about a note in your diary. I'm talking about booking the flight, paying the ticket, getting someone who's going to hold you accountable on certain deadline dates, stuff that's tangible and that you cannot run away from. Why don't you want to run away from it? Because your mindset needs to be trained. So you make use of the bookings of flights and the bookings of events and the paying of tickets and the people who hold you accountable um, in order to catch you from running. That's what they're doing. They're helping you train your mind. So you set yourself up for prosperity. If you do that, you are building a prosperity mindset if you do that. So also, none of this is going to happen if you do not get that inner discipline evoked so the previous things i've shared with you is physical tasks that you can do but this more has to speak about you evoking calling into being your inner discipline as something that is really lacking these days you know people get um you know the heat gets on or people get busy or there's a, a life drama most people fall over you know it was the funniest thing when our dog, Simon, was alive. Uh, I used to put him in a trance and I would look in his eyes and I would say, Simon, and his eyes would get bigger and bigger like he knows there's a trance coming. And then the close, then I go, Simon, you have to listen to mommy now. And then he makes his eyes big and then his eyes become like watery like this. And then I say, let the dog roll over. And then he becomes limb and then, then he rolls over. It was the funniest, funniest game me and him used to play. And I can, I, I, I trained him so much like Puff Love's dog that I, I started to exert 
so much power over him with let the dog roll over that I could be in that side of the apartment and approach him and go and not even look at his eyes and go, let the dog roll over. Then he starts going limb again. Then he rolls over. Or I can just look in his eyes in a certain way and it becomes watery because he knows now the dog's going to roll over. And the reason I'm t telling you about the dog rolling over is this is what's going to happen. If you don't build a relationship with discipline, the dog's going to roll over. You're going to roll over. You're going to not achieve what you want to achieve. You're not going to feel what you want to feel. You're not going to experience what you, because of discipline, our old friend discipline, but we don't like that word. So we put it aside as something that's suppressive or something that's not good for us or something that doesn't allow us to express. Although what I'm telling you is that your freedom is on the other side of discipline. The only key to freedom is through discipline. There's no other way. You ain't going to get there unless you pick that key and open the door with that. So that means you have to reflect on your hamster wheels. You have to sit at the end of the year and say, what stuff has I have I repeated again? What have I done again? Why am I burning out again? Why is my relationship not working again? Why am I not making cash flow again? You have to ask yourself those questions. It's tough questions because most people will go because of the state the world it is in or because my partner is not listening to me or because I have so much to do that that person will stay in that hamster wheel nothing will change for you so you have to reflect on those hamster wheels and ask yourself what automations have I created in my life that constantly put me into this hamster wheel then you have to upgrade your routine you have to make sure that the day-to-day -day way of doing things look incredibly different than how it's looked before. So if you, in the entire 2023, sat on your computer, your routine has to change to going out and meeting people. If the entire 2023, you worked on reminders that you dodged all the time, then in 2024, you're going to have to make some bookings and book some tickets and pay some things to avoid that from happening. If you were busy the whole year, and you didn't have one holiday or gap for yourself, you have to put in systems now in 2024 that's proactive, that's going to prevent that from happening. So your routine has to substantially change in order for your mind to learn to adapt new ways of doing things. And then you have to find ways to stay accountable. Now, I'm a big, big advocate of putting alarm systems in place. I would have a clock on my phone and it will go off and then it would say, uh, read that chapter because uh, I'm working through scrolls at the moment. So it's scrolls that I have to learn every day. And then it would say, read that chapter. And so that works 50% of the time. So you can do that too, but it's very easy for us to just take something and override it and rationalize why. So you have to find ways to stay accountable. And at such time where you've not learned to stay accountable, it is very good to find other support systems. And so for those of you who are in Circle of Excellence, you can form support systems amongst each other. And if your support system that you formed becomes unreliable, keep them. Get another support system and get another support system and get another support system until you've surrounded yourself with a ring of steel that is 
accountable and keeps you accountable. You have an entire circle of excellence community to do that. Those of you sitting in the Octopus tribe have an entire Octopus tribe community to do that. You just need to go through a recruitment or a sifting process or a vetting process where you find the people that's your people, people who share your values, people who's accountable and people who's reliable, who's as interested in your success as you are. And those people will say, how far did you come with the book? Did you implement that? How many sales presentations have you given? Is your sales presentation done? Is your blueprint done? Have you done this? Have you done that? And, and that's why this is not keeping us accountable because we are less than. This is keeping us accountable because we've not trained our brain how to work with discipline. And we've also not trained our brain how to be proactive instead of reactive. And we've not trained our brain to empty it. We've trained our brain to acquire. We've not trained our brain to actually internalize and have an internal locus of control. We've trained our brain to take what, what's going on outside and rationalize our behavior. So we're training ourselves to become more disciplined. So that's my whole story for you today. Um, and it's honestly my wish that uh, this takes you into 2024 with a brand, brand new mindset. I don't want to overexcite you and say to you on the 1st of January, uh, if you're in the West or if you are uh, celebrating Chinese New Year's, you know, February comes and you're like, boof, overnight, this new mindset is going to drop in like a miracle. Uh, it happens to some people, but the people it happens with is usually the people who's going through intense trauma. And so I definitely don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to go through intense trauma in order to change your mindset. Uh, what I do want you to have is an awareness that you may be operating in a reactive scarcity space, whereas it's very possible for you to operate in a proactive prosperity space, but you're going to have to stick to routine in a disciplined way. And slowly but surely, uh, that mind of yours will change. So we literally got five minutes left. I'll be very, very happy to take any questions that anyone may have. I'm just going to, for the time being, stop the share. Anyone want to ask a question? Now I can see you all. With the presentation, I only saw like five people. So hello to those uh, that I didn't see before, but uh, I would love to take some questions. Anyone? That was all uh, clear. Everything's clear. That's great. That's mm -hmm. right. I'm just going to read some of the messages here on the side. I'm sure you all did that. Um, people are just greeting everyone. Uh, Philippe, story of two wolves. Thank you so much for putting it down there. That's a powerful thing. Many times when a, a person buy a book, I like to write the story of the two wolves in there for them as well, because um, it, 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 it really gives you perspective. And if you have the two wolves in front of you every morning when you wake up, it, it helps you catch yourself out. That's what we want to learn. You know, you have a you have a oversoul. You have a person who's infinitely wise, who knows what's good for you, but your mind is sabotaging you. Your mind is telling you you're a victim. Your mind is telling you, oh, they don't understand my situation. You, it, your mind comes up with the most brilliant excuses. Whereas when those white, when that white wolf and that black wolf stand in front of you, you go. Look, I've been giving that black wolf a lot of food. I've been giving that. That thing is a monster. What will happen in 2024 if I start starving that one and I really start making myself responsible for my situation 
and feed that white wolf. Yes, Steve, I see we've got a question. Hi, Landy. Thanks so much. Um, quick, uh, quick question is, I know certainly in my own context, um, giving up control of like certain tasks within business is really, really hard, maybe because I'm a perfectionist. Um, but do you have any tips for like, as you're trying to, you know, get away from the busy bee mentality and um, empower others to, you know, be able to take on and do that work? Do you have any sort of tips for, for us in, in that context? like on, on the Very process, good. perhaps, like to letting go of the control. <laughs> yep. Well, you, you have to, and it's a very, it's a very uh, strange answer, maybe, but my, my techniques and methods is not conventional. Um, so you have to punish yourself. So you have to give yourself rules for your life. You have to say, look, I've handed this over to the person now. So I'm only allowing myself 10 minutes with that person a day. To get to for them to either close the loop or to feed back to me. If you're constantly sticking your beak in and interfering, you have to sort of punish yourself. You know, if if I was training you to be a samurai, for example, and I'm training you to hold a sword a certain way or whatever, and or we're doing martial arts together, or whatever, uh, and you're not doing something right, you're gonna get a heat against your head. It's not it's not gonna be pretty. Now we're trying to take that concept into a psychological world, right? So you you have to learn to tick yourself over the fingers and put rules around you that teach you discipline. Because even though control sounds like discipline, it's not. Control means you are breaking the rules all the time, and the rules you created, uh, and you letting go on the discipline by interfering constantly with other people learning. So, so you have to tick yourself on the fingers. So first make the rules and the rules is 10 minutes a day. I'll give myself the opportunity to check in with the person and get a feedback from them. The rest of the time, I'm not allowed to do it. So it sounds incredibly harsh and it sounds like we're teaching, we, we, we treating this like you're a child, but certain parts of us that, that keeps control or has not made change is still operating in that five-year-old mind or 10-year-old mind or 15-year-old mind. So, and their accountability partners is good. That they, It's good where if you feel you could absolutely not let go of control and you're the CEO of the company, to get a GM that manages your team for you so you don't interfere. But I like more the idea of you learning the skill set of discipline and you as the CEO learning to say, I've given myself 10 minutes and 10 minutes it's going to be. And if it's not 10 minutes, I punish myself in some way in order to learn to, in that area, grow up faster. It's, it sounds strange, but it really is discipline. And it's a, a concept that you will understand very, very well in, in your hockey training. There's just certain things that's you know, you, you can't do this. And if you're not going to do that, that's going to be the consequence. And that's how you train the brain. Psycho psychology, psychologically, very similar than you were training yourself physically. Thank you. You're welcome, Steve. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. who else have a question? We've got one minute left. Yeah, sorry, Lenny, the, the video is going to end pretty soon. That's fine. Chris, I think we have a question mm -hmm. here from Ina, and then we'll say all goodbye to each other. Ina. Yeah, uh, I think I have the uh, the opposite problem uh, to Steve. I say for me, it's more like sort of I'm far to sort of let it all go, and I'm not, you know, I, I struggle with uh, with self discipline uh, and getting things done, and and I and I and I don't feel and I don't need to control things uh, so much. <laughs> so so I, I'm more the opposite where I I really do need to teach myself some. To be more disciplined and more structured structure i guess is is a is a is a issue of mine yeah 
Yep. So for a person like you, you know, it is really good also to have accountability partners around you. You know, yeah. I think the idea with someone who doesn't like structure, the idea is not to tell you how bad you are. The idea is to say, have an awareness that you're never going to implement anything. <laughs> and then you ask yourself, so what am I going to do about that? I probably need a business partner. Or yeah. I probably need a, a team of people around me that's going to implement for me. Or I probably need accountability partners. Maybe, yeah. you know, you and Stuart and a third person get together once a month and you keep each other accountable. So the idea is to make a plan or put a rule in place as opposed to berate yourself. You know, there's definitely people that's 10 times better implementers. There's people who's 10 times better visionaries. So that's the beauty of diversity. That's what's making us as a team fantastic. But you have to be aware of the stuff that you're not getting right, the stuff that's the hamster wheel, and then make a plan around that. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I just see time just seems to drift. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I feel like I'm doing something all the time. But like, uh, you know, maybe I'm so just you being structure. You yeah. need to surround yourself with people who's going to bring that yeah. structure. And it doesn't have to be you at all. Yeah. Great. Thank now you. you're aware of it. That's the big part. If you're aware of something, you can do some something about it. And, and I yeah. think that's the most important part. Yeah. Good. Lovely. Okay, everyone, I'm going to have to love you and leave you. This this was my last um, uh, global intelligence update uh, for you this year. I'm sure I'll be seeing you online in some shape, way or form. And uh, you still have quite a few of these coming up, which is great. So thanks again, Chris, for always hosting it. And um, I'm sure we'll all be chatting at least before the end of the year. Thank you, everyone. You have a wonderful weekend. Bye.